Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you grant unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. I pray that our hearts will be open and will grow from this word in Jesus' name. Cause us to be fully convinced, to be fully persuaded. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Convicts of the truth. Convicts of the truth. Convicts of the truth. That's what we're looking at. Hope, how are you doing? I heard a very good report about you. Yeah. Your, your sister came to my office and said, I visited my younger sister, and when I heard her talk, I could tell there's something she's encountered. There's something different. <laughs> and so I decided to come to her church and give my life to Christ. Yeah. I was very happy. Those are reports. Glory to God. Give her a hand. These are things to celebrate. <laughs> okay. Convicts of the truth. Now, some statements I will make will shake your thinking a little. But it's in such that we grow up spiritually. The word convict is normally associated with being found guilty, right? But how many of you know it's also a very spiritual word? A person who is convicted is a person who has strong beliefs, if you're looking at it from a worldly perspective. From a spiritual perspective, it's, it's, it's deeper than just having strong beliefs. Like these beliefs have arrested you. You can't escape them. Is somebody getting my point? Imagine being so convicted about the truth that it has arrested you. Where you become a slave of righteousness. Where you just can't help it because for you, you are absolutely convinced concerning the truth. There are certain aspects of our faith which we should be completely unshakable. There are just certain things someone should not be able to convince you out of. Hallelujah. I want you to see something. Luke chapter 1, verse 1. Give it to me from the King James. Luke 1, verse 1. The Bible says, For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us. So Luke is writing a letter to Theophilus and he's telling him that he wanted to take time to explain those things which are most surely believed. So meaning among the many things that are believed, there are those things which are most surely believed among us. And that's why he took time to explain the life of Jesus. So of course, there is more to the life of Jesus than what you see in the scriptures. But the scriptures highlighted what we needed to know. Because the scriptures highlighted what was most surely believed among us. Meaning there were some things, in, if, if the scriptures didn't highlight them, there are certain things which maybe were not that important. For example, maybe it was not important whether he was born in April or September. Maybe what was most important was that he was born. I don't know if you're getting my point. Maybe that's what was most important. And it's interesting that on the day he was born, there was celebration. So maybe that's what was most important. That's what they highlighted more. And you observe that in each of the Gospels, there's something different about Jesus presented. In Matthew, he's presented as king. In Mark, he's presented as a servant. In Luke, you see that he's the son of man. In John, you see that he's the divine. He's God. So he explains those things which are most surely believed among us. If someone was to ask you, what are those things that are most surely believed among you, what would you answer? 
you can tell your neighbor three things you most surely believe number one those who are not explaining you okay somebody say glory peter says set christ apart in your heart being ready to give a logical explanation for those things that you believe those things which are most surely believed among us have you taken time to study why we believe them why do we spend a lot of time praying in other tongues hallelujah by the way among us one of the things we most surely believe is praying in tongues glory to god now why okay we'll get to all those things hopefully i'll be able to build on this topic i want us to see a few words a few writings of the apostle paul and i want us to hear the kind of tone he uses to see that it's actually possible to grow and to graduate in faith Romans chapter 8 verse 38 Romans 8 verse 38 The apostle Paul is speaking verse 37 he says Is that why he said we are more than, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us next verse For I am persuaded give me NIV For I am convinced give me amplified For I am persuaded beyond doubt I'm sure And he says that neither death nor life angels nor principalities nor things impending and threatening nor things to come nor powers Uh-huh no height no depth no anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of god which is in christ jesus notice he uses the words i am convinced i am persuaded i am full i've come to a place of surety this is not the only time he talks like this let me show you another verse where he talks like this by the way in the world we are in where there is every wind of doctrine there are certain things you need to be fully convinced about Galatians 1 Give me verse 8 and 9. Look at what he says. It must take a lot of convincing to be able to talk like this, eh? But even if we or an angel from heaven, not even an angel from hell. He says even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you, than what we have preached to you let them be accursed next verse as we have said before so now i say again if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than that which you have received let him be cursed that's the apostle of grace right in that hallelujah and he's telling us that he was so convinced that if he or an angel so if an angel came in all of its glory and say Jesus is not the son of God that angel should be cursed don't you even say a convict of the truth a person who's convicted is one whose belief system has reached a point where it has arrested him and tonight i'm really just touching the basics if the lord permits i'll continue but i'm really just touching the basics of this but even just as a ministry there is a lot of growing up we need to do there is a place of conviction we need to reach it's something that i'm praying even for myself and it's something that i'm praying for everyone why we each come to that place that unity of faith There are people who think 
the body of Christ will be united when we embrace different beliefs. That's not the Bible way. The Bible way is the unity of faith. There are certain things which we must believe in a similar manner. There are certain things we must all believe. We may have different cultures, different all these things, but there are certain things we must be most sure of. There are certain things which Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all believe. That's the place we have to reach. Somebody say glory to God. Are you enjoying this so far? Are you learning something? Okay. So we are talking about convicts of the truth. Convicts of the truth. Now, let's look a bit at this thing called being convicted. One of the very basic foundational teachings is the teaching of faith. And I'm telling you that for you to practice faith, for you to walk in faith, you have to be convicted by the truth. This truth must arrest you. That's the faith that moves, that will move mountains. That's the faith that will keep you consistent. That, that's the faith that can keep you believing in God and keep you believing you'll be the father of many nations even when you don't have a child yet. That's the faith. That's the kind of faith. So many times when I talk to people, a lot of people will tell you my spiritual life is up, down, up, down, up, down. And these are teachings that can repair that pattern. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor it's up and upwards only. I only grow higher in faith. I'm convicted by the truth. I've been arrested by the truth. I know what's right. And I do what's right. Hallelujah. Um, if you've listened to my teaching on the subject epignosis, you'd how many of you remember that teaching? How many of you were around when we talked about epignosis, which is simply when you interact with knowledge to an extent that you and that knowledge know each other? Check my podcast. It's there. Let's go. Hebrews 11 from verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So faith is the substance of things hoped for and it's the evidence of things that are not seen. Can I have it from the Amplified? Faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, being the proof of the things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not yet revealed to the senses. So have you observed that with faith, it, you come to a place where you are convicted by the reality of what you don't see, but you are so convicted as though you could see it. So you conceive it as real, even though it's not yet been revealed to the five senses. That shows you that faith is not, it's, it's not a function of the five senses. It's not a feeling. Hallelujah. Faith is not a feeling. Faith is not a thought. It's beyond the five senses. It's a spiritual sense. It's a spiritual currency. It's a spiritual substance. It's, it's substance. You can actually measure it. You can have an idea how much faith you have. Faith can actually be measured. Faith can actually increase. Unfortunately, faith can actually reduce. Hallelujah. And there is a way faith comes. It comes by hearing and hearing by the word. That's how it comes. So meaning there is an environment where faith grows. And there is an environment where faith is stifled when it comes to its growth. So it talks about a conviction of their reality. It's where you are convinced about things that you have not yet experienced. Faith is not... When I see, I'll believe. Faith is, I believe, so I will see. 
Hallelujah. It's not seeing is believing, it's believing is seeing. Glory to God. It goes beyond um, it, it goes beyond experience. It goes beyond uh, how can I put it? It's, it's a very spiritual thing. And I want us to see why topics like this are very important. Because when you go over to verse 5, it tells you something. It says, because of faith, Enoch was caught up and transferred to heaven so that he did not have a glimpse of death and he was not found because God had translated him. There's, there's something Enoch knew such that the guy didn't even have a glimpse of death. So if you had to ask Enoch today, what does death feel like? He would tell you, I don't know. The guy skipped it. What caused him to skip death? There was something he believed. And yet this is something that practically majority of people experience. Faith can make you skip things. Eh? <laughs> Let's go on. And he was not found because God had translated him. For even before he was taken to heaven, he received testimony that he had pleased and been satisfactory to God. Next verse. But without faith, someone say without faith. It says so, without faith, it is impossible to please him. Can that, can the projection please be put properly? We are more excellent than that. So it says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must come believing that he is, and he is the reward of they that diligently seek him. So that mindset people have of, okay, let me go before God and let me talk to him as well. I'm talking to my grandmother. Oh yeah, God, if you don't do this for me, I will stop believing you. That's, that's not going to change who he is. Stop holding God at ransom. That's not faith. We don't play games with God like that. It's like when people teach on friendship with God, they really have to be careful. Abraham was called a friend of God, not so. I've studied on Abraham. Have you heard the way he used to talk to God? Abraham wouldn't go to God and say, Hey, God, my guy, Shan Shanoko, my number one G. I, I just want to ask about Sodom and God. That's not the way Abraham... Imagine, the Abraham who was a friend of God goes before him and says, If I have found favor in your sight, friendship with God should not make you lose reverence for him. It shouldn't make you lose respect for him. He is still our Father which art in heaven. Glory to God. Uh, so I, I hope you've heard me on that one. Because sometimes when we teach that you can be friends with God, people take it as tribulation. And especially that I, I think some friendships need to be redefined. I was correcting someone from the house. I think they had posted something about their friend. They said, how do you talk to a friend like that? I don't know who said that having a friend means somebody you can insult. Hey, you fool. Hey, what, 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 then you're close. What? Let your words impart grace. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say, Neighbor, if you're my friend, my words will impart grace in your life. Everything I say to you <laughs> will be an impartation. Glory to God. Hallelujah. No. Oh. So it says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must come believing. So you must come believing that he is. And he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Diligently means, <laughs> it's not just those who like seek him once. It's, it's talking about those who are willing to go on 21 days prayer and fasting. I don't know if they're getting very good. <laughs> okay, I'm just trying to encourage myself there. <laughs> 18 to go. Hallelujah. I don't know why for some reason I only feel it at 23 I'm okay. 23.50 I'm okay. The moment it's midnight. Is it, I don't know whether it's my mind. Suddenly I remember all the meals of not eating. Anyways. Spirit lead me where my trust is without borders. <laughs> Hallelujah. So 
a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So if you are to study the people who walked in faith, they didn't always have it their own way. They didn't always have the best of days. But they made sure they continued to diligently seek him. They continued to serve him. They continued to follow. They continued to fight. When we study the story of Abraham, in our heads, we read it in like five minutes. But come on, the guy was living an actual life in an actual world. And God promised him the world. God takes him from this country in the Middle East and says, I'm giving you the entire world. All the dis- Look, like he's asking God just for one child. And God doesn't tell him about Isaac. God says, says, look in the heavens. How many do you see? As many as you can see, those are yours. The guy is just asking for one. Hallelujah. (laughs) There are some of us who are saying, Lord, if I can just have a job, which can just pay me 4,000, I'll be fine. And then God is saying, and then God keeps giving you convictions with big budgets. (laughs) Hallelujah. He keeps giving you burdens. I want you to make sure you get that for 250000 and then this for 300000 and then this for... He's not, God is not going to reduce himself to that petty request. Hallelujah. It's not going to reduce God. And then the day 250000 will be nothing. You'll be shocked. God will start telling you, you know, we need to do that project for $4 million. Then we need to do this for that. We need to do this for that. I can tell you in my walk of faith so far, that the way God works is that he always keeps you at a place where your relationship is based on faith. I can tell you something. I remember when we first stayed having conferences. You know, here's my witnesses right here. 1,000 kwacha was a lot. There was one conference, the budget was 1,000 kwacha. The way we prayed for that 1,000 kwacha. And when that happened, I remember we decided, let's check out the prices at government complex. We came back confused. We were told it was 10 pin. The way I would be glad to hear it's 10 pin right now. He always keeps you at a place where you need to relate with him from the place of faith. So you find when 1,000 becomes nothing, there's a way he will relate with you where you always need faith. Today you're dealing with headaches. The next day you're dealing with wheelchairs. He always keeps you at a place where you need faith. That's why, please, even as you are making plans, don't forget the aspect of faith. Do you know how I love to plan? I've told you about the fish and the loaves. Not so. I've told you that a miracle can change definition based on your preparation. By that, this is what I mean. For that little boy, having lunch that day was not a miracle. Because he already had fish and logs. It wasn't a miracle for him. The guy was okay. Because he was more prepared than everybody else. The rest never prepared. I've got a feeling that guy had a good mother. Hallelujah. (laughs) Because clearly he had food for all the days. But for him the miracle was that food multiplying. So when you see us strategizing, when you see us planning, it's not lack of faith. It's just increasing the quality of miracles. Wait, is somebody getting my point? So if I make my plans, and with the way I've strategically planned, I know that I can be able to do A, B, C. Afterwards, I'll give those plans before God and say, Lord, these are my fish and loaves. (laughs) Now outdo me. Shock me. Show me that me, I'm the one who's a man, and you're the one who is God. Somebody say glory. So tell your neighbor, you always relate with God from a place of faith. So in this place, you must come believing that he is. Now, I'm teaching about being convicted of the truth. And here's one thing I'll tell you in my time of being convicted of the truth. How many of you remember the sermon that I taught on how there are higher levels? Even when it comes to truths they go up. Remember Paul says, let us go on unto maturity. So for example, let's say concerning health. If you've read in the scriptures, 
in Isaiah 53, Isaiah from the past, looking at the future, saw it in the now and said, by his stripes, we are healed. But if you read over there in the book of, uh, is it 1 Peter 1.24 or is it 2 Peter 1.24? Which one is it? Come on, Bible scholars, correct me. Hallelujah. It's 1 Peter. Yes. It's 2.24. This is what I like to hear. So, in 1 Peter 2.24, you will notice, he says, give it to me. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Now, don't you find it interesting that in Isaiah it says, by stripes we are healed? Then in this one it says, by his stripes you were healed. He didn't even say we. Now, what does that show you? You, you, you can sense a form of graduation. Then, if you see something, give me First John, no, Third John, verse 2. I want you to see this. You'll get my point shortly. Third John, verse 2. I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. In third John, the scripture is not even saying, I pray you may prosper in all things and constantly get healed. Here he's talking about divine health. Here's what I'm trying to say. It shows you that even in the area of health, there is a place where you can believe God for a healing. There's a place where you, you can have such faith that you believe that every time you are sick, he will heal you. So your confession will be, Right? So, you've got an expectation to get sick again, but he will heal you again. Hallelujah. Just like he did before. Then, there's a place where you can realize that, wait, you were healed 2,000 years ago. Like it already happened. Then you can come to a place where you realize that as a new creation, this new thing you are born in, your flesh will have to bow down to your spirit. Because you know there's a place where you stop seeing yourself as a flesh who's got a spirit, but as, good, as a spirit who's got a flesh. So you relate with yourself first from the place of the spirit. That's why in God's order of things, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, it says, I pray that he may sanctify you spirit, soul, and body. That shows you God order, God's order of things is spirit first. So from your spirit, you see health. I don't know if you're getting my point. And then you come to a place where you walk in health. Where your, conf your confession is no longer... It, it, it goes beyond that. You start thinking, you start singing about how he's kept you in health, about how he's the God that keeps you in divine health. Now, I, I'm, I'm getting to my point shortly. A lot of people have troubles facing it like that. I'll tell you why. Number one, what if it doesn't work? Hallelujah. <laughs> what if, like, people would rather play it safe. That's my second point. But first point, there's usually the if question. What if it doesn't work? So people would rather, no, let me keep it on the law. Let me not go about confessing I can never be poor. What if it doesn't work? There's the if question. What if? What if? So many people are denying themselves from reaching a place of conviction because they are concerned about what if it won't work. Now, let me show you something about faith. Give me Mark 9. I want you to give me verse 22. Look at this. Jesus is talking to this. Give me from the NIV. Jesus is talking to this man and he asks him for the case history. And the man says, look, my little boy has got this problem. There's this demon. And it has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Notice the word if. So he's, he comes before Jesus and said, Lord, if you're willing. Remember that guy who said, if you're willing. Eh? So he's telling Jesus, if you can. 
This person is not even asking him if he's willing. He's asking if he can manage. Have you come to a place where you go before God believing that he is? Believing that he's the one that sustains you. Believing that he's got the capability to keep you in health all the days of your life. Believing that he's got the capability to keep you strong and steadfast all the days of your life. Believing that he's got the capability to sustain your projects all the days of your life. So you come before him believing that he is. So this person says, if you can manage, look at Jesus' answer from the NIV. It's very interesting. He says, if you can. Like I, like, I can imagine the look on his face. Like he's about to do the miracle. If you can manage. If you can manage. Let's be fair. Imagine someone comes to you today and says, um, we are selling this car for one quarter. One quarter. One coin. Coin. And they say, so we are gladly asking that if you can manage, listen, <laughs> one quarter. As in, that day, even if you don't borrow, <laughs> even if you had nothing, you would find a way. Wouldn't you answer, if you can, you would go like, give me 10. It's 10 too little. Give me a hundred. Someone can start a car business. Just like that. There are just certain things you're not going to ask if you can manage. That's like asking. Imagine. Huh? Alice, how would you feel if someone came to you asking you if you can sing? Hallelujah. <laughs> hey, listen. There's something I've been working on. I think by now, because I've been talking about it every week, by now you, you might even have an idea of the title. But if you're going to have faith in a God, then you have to believe that your God must be able to do God things. Is somebody getting me? That if, if, I mean, if God is involved, there must be God things. Glory to God. They are sitting. So he says, if you can manage. And Jesus said, everything is possible for him who believes. I want you to see it from the Amplified. What he says, Jesus, and Jesus said, You say to me, if you can do anything, why all things can be and are possible to him who believes. So he throws it back. He's not saying, like, stop telling him if you can manage. He's saying if you can believe. These are those things we are most certain about. Remove the if question. Stop doubting. Jesus makes a statement. He says, if you speak, if you, were a, if you speak to a mountain, tell it to go into the sea and do not doubt in your heart. So there is also the part of do not doubt in your heart. Many of us have mastered the art of speaking, but have not mastered the art of not doubting. Remove the if aspect. What am I trying to say? Stop questioning yourself the if aspect. Because there is no if with faith. Here's what I'll tell you. Someone may be saying, Apostle Fred, I've tried to believe like that. But there are one or two things that did not go well and the like. Or I know someone who believed like that, but there were one or two things they still did not see. Some of us know people who had a lot of faith, let's say, to be healed. But here in the earthly realm, they didn't receive their healing. And they went to be, the, to be with the Lord. I do not want you to think for one second that in heaven, God has not rewarded them for that faith that they showed. I don't, when you read the whole faith in Daniel 11, you notice that God notices faith and God rewards faith. Have you observed Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego? Notice what they say. They say, we know our God is able. They had no doubt that God was able to save them from the fire. And then they say, but let it be known unto you 
that should you see us roasted, we are still not going to believe otherwise. In short, these are people who are convicted. Hallelujah. Yeah, you can clap. It's okay. <laughs> so, your conviction must come to a place where what fuels the conviction is not even the results you've seen, but it's what you have believed. You have believed it so much. And I pray in Jesus' name that you will see results. Surely from the pattern of Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, you can see that results came about. So, there are people who are afraid to be convicted beyond reality because, because okay, Apostle, what about if here is a person who has been confessing over their health and they're having challenges with their body. When people laugh at them, the, if anyone is to laugh, they are not real believers, are they? Do you think they are? Listen to me. When Jesus spoke to the fig trees, to the fig tree, the Bible says the disciples heard him say it. So with your faith, you have to vocalize and not care what people think. You may be listening to me and perhaps you're afraid of what people will think. I'll tell you this. Even if there are certain results you have not seen yet, you may be confessing this and the opposite has been happening. I do not want you for one second to think as though God is not satisfied with you. God's satisfaction is in the fact that you've believed even in hard times. That's where his satisfaction comes from. Because he that comes to him must come believing. By faith, without faith, it's impossible to please him. So our aim here is not to please human beings. Our aim here is to please God. And you can only please God by your faith, by your confession of that word, holding fast to it, knowing that you are fighting the good fight of faith. And in fighting the good fight of faith, sometimes you have to stand on the truth, even when everything else around you is rebelling against that truth that you've believed. Ask your neighbor, are you convinced? Ask another one, are you convinced? And you know what keeps happening? As you keep practicing your faith, you notice that there are certain things that will just become more sure. And before you know it, you come to that level of breakthrough where there are certain things you've just broken into because you've over-practiced this faith. Are you convinced, you who doesn't have a child, that you're the father of many nations? Are you convinced? Can you imagine Abraham's faith grew stronger even before he saw Isaac? Do I need to say that one again? Have you read from the book of Romans, chapter 4? Abraham grew stronger in faith even before he saw the results. The guy was getting even more and more convinced and yet his wife was getting more and more barren and his body was getting more and more important. The guy was still getting more convinced because he judged him as faithful. He was not looking unto man. He was not looking unto himself. He was looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Are you convinced? As the next few weeks go, there are some statements I will make which may sound difficult. Let me make one more comment. Today I will not go to the part which says sources of conviction. I will show you how conviction can increase, but not today. Majority of believers want to settle for a belief system that is convenient, not an absolute truth. It was easier, if you've read Matthew 16, 13, it was easier for the people to believe that this was Elijah reincarnated. It was easier for them to believe anything else other than the absolute truth that he was the Messiah. It's easier. I'm telling you, if I wanted to preach easy messages, I could. I could just come here and tell you, you know, God has got two ways of healing. There is physical healing and spiritual healing. Physical healing is where he heals your body. Spiritual healing is where you've got too much pain, so he removes you from your body. Oh my God. 
That's why some of the hardest messages I've ever had to hear at funerals. Because in Come 14, you find people preach a convenient message. They want to say something that's convenient. They come up with something and you ask them, who told you that? What scripture do you have for that? There's nothing. But because we want to come up with an excuse for our lack of power, we come up with all sorts of messages. That which you believe, who told you? Remember to take heed what you hear, because what you hear becomes a seed which will produce a tree. It will produce the way you pray. Suddenly you go see someone in the hospital with a t-shirt written RIP. Hallelujah. Not that I saw that somewhere online. And then you go to the person's bed and say, Father, if it is your will, and you change your words, but what you're actually saying is, Lord, if it's your will, kill them. If not, leave them. <laughs> Who told you that? And, and you know why? The reason why is because people don't want to be on the opposite side. They don't want to be on the side that will come and say, this person will get up. How do you know? I'm convinced by the word. Now, if the person doesn't get up, the things they will say about them. That's what people are afraid of. But you know something? It's better to keep growing steadily to absolute truth than to settle for something which is a lie just because it's convenient. Chongo, do you remember that time? I think I was about 17. First year, do you remember? Let me remind you. I remember there was a time, there was a family that lost someone. Before they lost them, the, the person was they were in an accident, so they were really not well. So they called. And I kept going to the house every day to pray. And I was very convinced they'll be okay. You know why? Because I've read it in the scriptures. Very convinced. 100% convinced. You couldn't shake me on that one. Ah, well, one day I received the phone call. Things did not go so well. And the person uh, went to be with the Lord. And if you know me, I'm not going to start saying, no, God needed another angel. No, the angels are enough. Hallelujah. Human beings don't transform to become angels. Hallelujah. <laughs> and I remember going for the funeral. I went with Chongo and someone else, and I went and sat. The atmosphere was just feeling tense. And then they called for me. I went that night. <laughs> they started. I've got something to tell you. Like, you and your God. Shine, shine, shine. The speech went on. I couldn't answer back. I was finished that in front of a lot of people, by the way. I was only 17. Then I still remember the last words. Hey, shan, 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 Hey, mommy, boy. Then people just, they chased, I was, I was literally just, just go. And so that's how I was chased from the funeral. You know why? Because I had the guts to believe with them that something would happen, that a miracle would happen. And you know something? I decided from that day, that day when I was, on a, I was on a bus going home, and I asked myself, Fred, what are you doing with your life? Like, you are 17, and you're getting shouted at a funeral. Today, you could have been slapped. It... <laughs> I asked myself, like, what am I doing with my life? Honestly, I thought for a while. Then I realized, if I wanted, I could have just been that normal person, you know? That normal friend who just checks and says, Hi, how are things? No, we hope for the best. Sunshine. I would have been... I don't know if you get my point. I wouldn't have been chased from the funeral. We hope for the best. Let's just keep believing. You know, the Lord works in mysterious ways. You never know what will... I could have easily been that guy. I would have saved myself a lot of stress. When I was, as I was on the bus going home that day, something in me died. Something in the flesh died that day. I made a decision. I said, come what me. Come what me. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. I want when I get to heaven, I will say, Lord, I believed it the way you said I should believe it. I may not always have seen results, but at least I believed it. There is no one who ever came to me and I didn't tell them you'd do something. Because I believed it the way you said I should believe it. That day I decided, come what may. If people are in a place where the doctors have said, 
uh, there's no hope for this person. Sometimes even, even if pastors have said there's no hope for this person, and they're just looking for one person in this world who have hope, I'll be there. I'll come and say, this is an easy case. Hallelujah. <laughs> and <laughs> to be fair, I may not have a 100% record, but I've seen more results than those who's, who are here, 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 here. And just watch me. With these convictions, watch the results we'll see. Just watch them. Hallelujah. Just watch the results. And so, what am I trying to say? It's easy to just be convenient than to believe the fullness. It's, how many of you have seen that scripture? Let me give you an example. Second um, Corinthians 8 verse 9. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9. For we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. It's very easy to just preach, you know, riches are in different ways. This is not just talking about material wealth. You know, this is, this is talking about spiritual richness. Are you trying to say Jesus became spiritually poor? It's easy, it's very easy to just become a convenient preacher. And you may find it surprising, but that's where false doctrine comes from. If you've read 2 Timothy 4 verse 1, look at this. 2 Timothy 4 verse 1. This might surprise you. Uh-huh, next verse. Next verse. Go back to verse 2, look at this. It says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. It's like, oh, I can tell you another thing. I've almost, this one, I've had people threatening me. <laughs> Those who are close to me know they've seen some of the messages I've received. Because I've told someone, this is nonsense. Because I'm fully convinced. 21st century or 22nd century, you, sex before marriage is wrong. And if you're living like that, you will go to hell. And in hell, you'll burn. Forever. <laughs> By the way, you have to be balanced. In balance, what I mean is show people the solution. However, if you come to the Lord Jesus Christ, He is ready to forgive you, and He doesn't just forgive you, He forgets all your sins. Okay? He washes you, makes you a new creation. But you're not gonna, you, you don't live a certain way as a believer. I'm fully convinced of that. Now, I've had cases where people have ended relationships after hearing my sermon, and the other party now gets, ah, how dare you? How dare you? <laughs> Who do you think you are? He said, I'm a man of God. <laughs> now he says, look, he says, preach the word. Like, just be honest with people. Tell them what the scriptures say. The Bible is very clear. It doesn't say no because you've said, uh, what, because you've said a prayer of salvation, go keep living the way you want to live and somehow you'll find yourself in heaven. No! Paul talking to Christians, not to worldly people, talking to Christians says, I warn you, as I did before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Not. They will not. And we're being told, preach the word, and here's the reason why. Verse 3. For time will come when people will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers who just tell them what they want to hear. No one being challenged. Everything is just okay. Do things the way you want Christianity. No process, no order. And everything that sounds like order, they will say, let's not be religious. 
be careful with some of these don't be religious teachings. Some of them are just teaching against the order of the scriptures. Hallelujah. No, who says you have to belong to a church? These things, it's about your walk with God. The same God tells you that it's bad manners. Literally a bad habit. Heaven literally hates that behavior. Okay, so I'm talking about the... Oh my, I've gone a bit beyond time. It, it, I'm talking about coming to a place where you're convicted in your faith. It takes conviction to pray in tongues. Do you know how much faith it takes to pray in words you don't understand? Believing that after you've prayed, the things you've... <laughs> believing that you <laughs> Believing that that prayer is more perfect than praying in English. I've actually come to a place where I, like someone was in my office yesterday and they asked me, should every believer pray in tongues? Yes. Of course. That, that's even a question. In Acts 2, they all received the Spirit and they all spoke with tongues. In Acts 10, they all spoke with tongues. In Acts 19, they all spoke with tongues. Jesus said, those who believe, these signs will follow believers. He didn't say these signs will follow Pentecostals. He said, these signs will follow all who believe. In my name, they'll cast out devils. They'll speak with new tongues. Hallelujah. Why is that important? It's very difficult. Trust me, it's very difficult to pray 30 minutes consistently every day if you're not adding a bit of hallelujah it's very difficult now does that mean if somebody here doesn't pray in tongues they should feel oh i'm such a bad person no 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 you should actually be like wow i'm a believer it's my right you, it, it's your right. I don't know if you're getting my point. I was at a school where we used to receive uh, some of you from places like Unilas and uh, Apex, Cavendish. You may never have heard of this. There's something called BC. Okay? Tell your neighbor BC. Okay. This is where they pay you to learn. Hallelujah. <laughs> Why do you think there's some Unza students who've never failed? There is what is called protecting your BC. Because if you fail, they take it away from you. You find, you ask someone, why are you overstudying? I'm protecting my BC. Listen, in those days, here's what would happen. If your friend receives, yours hasn't come in, you go and complain until you receive what is yours. That's, that's something similar to praying with other tongues. Receiving that money is not what made you a student, but it sure helped your student life become better. Hallelujah. So don't fight what you want. Okay, let's... Someone else may ask, should everyone be born again? Yes! What will happen to those who are not born again? They will not see the kingdom of God. I was saying at Eden last week, being born again is not a Pentecostal term. What is it? It's a Jesus-costal term. Hallelujah. It's a term he used. Over the next few weeks in these services, I want us to go step by step into some of these truths. First, next week, we're going to look at how can you grow in this aspect of conviction. I'll show you scripturally how you can grow to a place of absolute conviction. Then we'll look at some of the things that we believe everyone should be convicted about.